Welcome to Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in the Year. I'm Mark Langley, and today we will finish up the third article of the Apostles' Creed. The third article is, Who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. And as we can see from that article, um, it has two parts. The first part is, Who is conceived, which we talked about in the last two episodes. And today we'll finish up the second part of this third article, with the words, born of the Virgin Mary. So let us begin by reading the Catechism itself. It says on page 45 in my text, it says, These words comprise another part of this article. In its exposition, the pastor should exercise considerable diligence because the faithful are are bound to believe that Jesus the Lord was not only conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, but was also born of the Virgin Mary. The words of the angel who first announced the happy tidings to the world declared with what joy and delight of of soul this mystery of our faith should be meditated upon. Behold, said the angel, I bring you good tidings of great joy that shall be to all the people. The same sentiments are clearly conveyed in the song chanted by the heavenly host. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men of good will. Then began the fulfillment of the splendid promise made by God to Abraham that in his seed all the nations of the earth should one day be blessed. For Mary, whom we truly proclaim and venerate as mother of God, because she brought forth him who is at once God and man, was descended from King David. The next subheading is the nativity of Christ transcends the order of nature. But as the conception itself transcends the order of nature, so also the birth of our Lord presents to our contemplation nothing but what is divine. Besides, what is admirable beyond the power of thoughts or words to express, he is born of his mother without any diminution of her maternal virginity, just as he afterwards went forth from the sepulcher while it was closed and sealed and enter the room in which his disciples were assembled, the doors being shut. Or not to depart from everyday examples, just as the rays of the sun penetrate without breaking or injuring in the least the solid substance of glass. So after a like but more exalted manner did Jesus come forth from his mother's womb without injury to her maternal virginity. This immaculate and perpetual virginity forms, therefore, the just theme of our eulogy. Such was the work of the Holy Ghost, who at the conception and birth of the Son, so favored the Virgin Mother as to impart to her fecundity, while preserving inviolate her perpetual virginity. And so there we see uh, in the Catechism this um, emphasis on the fact that not only was the conception of Jesus Christ, um, divine and miraculous uh, by the Holy Ghost, um, but also his birth was a miracle as well, insofar as he came forth from Mary's womb, as the Catechism says, in a manner just like Christ um, coming through the locked doors, or as they say, just as light can 
penetrate without breaking or injuring in the least the solid substance of glass. Um, so those are beautiful uh, images and also we see that it, it's sort of figured in scripture itself as well that Mary's virginity was never impaired either in the conception or the nativity of Christ. At the same time we see um, in our footnotes that the Catechism of the Council of Trent bases itself also not only upon the uh, teaching the, of, the, of the Fathers, but also the Summa Theologica, in which we see in the third part um, the questions on Our Lady's virginity. And we might just read a quick article. This is, in, this is question 35, Article 7, in the third part of the Summa, the question is whether Christ was born without his mother suffering. And in the reply, St. Thomas says, I answer that the pains of childbirth are caused by the infinite, the infant opening the passage from the womb. Now it has been said above in question 28 that Christ came forth from the closed womb of his mother and consequently without opening the passage Consequently, there was no pain in that birth, as neither was there any corruption. On the contrary, there was much joy therein, for that God-man was born into the world, according to Isaiah chapter 35. Like the lily, it shall bud forth and blossom, and shall rejoice with joy and praise. And so, St. Thomas has many articles on our um, Lady's virginity, not only in the conception of our Lord and the birth of our Lord, but also her perpetual virginity. Um, and so that, that is a wonderful part of the Summa to read. But let's continue with the Catechism. The next subheading uh, compares, is Christ compared to Adam, Mary, to Eve? The Apostle sometimes calls Jesus Christ the second Adam and compares him to the first Adam. For as... In the first, all men die, so in the second, all are made alive. And as in the natural order, Adam was the father of the human race, so in the supernatural order, Christ is the author of grace and glory. The Virgin Mother we may also compare to Eve, making the second Eve, that is Mary, correspond to the first, as we have already shown that the second Adam, that is Christ, corresponds to the first Adam. By believing the serpent Eve brought malediction and death on mankind, and Mary, by believing the angel, became the instrument of the divine goodness in bringing life and benediction to the human race. From Eve we are born children of wrath. From Mary we have received Jesus Christ, and through him are regenerated children of grace. To Eve it was said, In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children. Mary was exempt from this law, for preserving her, virgin, her virginal integrity inviolate, she brought forth Jesus, the Son of God, without experiencing, as we've already said, any sense of pain. In the next section, Types and Prophecies of the Conception and Nativity. The mysteries of this admirable conception and nativity being therefore so great and so numerous, it accorded with the plan of divine providence to signify them by many types and prophecies. 
Hence, the Holy Fathers understood many things which we meet in the sacred scriptures to refer to these mysteries, particularly that gate of the sanctuary which Ezekiel saw closed, the stone cut out of the mountain without hands, which became a great mountain and filled the universe of which we read in Daniel, the rod of Aaron, which alone budded of all the rods of the princes of Israel, and the bush which Moses saw burn without being consumed. The Holy Evangelist describes in detail the history of the birth of Christ, but as the pastor can easily recur to the sacred volume, it is unnecessary for us to say more on the subject. And that's an extraordinary paragraph as well, opening up to our eyes the uh, many times in Scripture that uh, little did we know also are types or prophecies of the conception and nativity of Jesus Christ. Um, so, uh, particularly I like this one, the, the bush which Moses saw burn without being consumed as sort of a type of the, of the um, birth of Christ, um, which did not in any way violate the virginity of uh, the, the Blessed Mother. The Catechism continues with the subheading, Lessons Which This Article Teaches. The pastor should labor to impress deeply on the minds and hearts of the faithful these mysteries which were written for our learning. First, that by the commemoration of so great a benefit they may make some return of gratitude to God its author, and next, in order to place before their eyes as a model for imitation this striking and singular example of humility. And so it continues, the humility and poverty of Christ. What can be more useful, what better calculated to subdue the pride and haughtiness of the human heart than to reflect frequently that God humbles himself in such a manner as to assume our frailty and weakness in order to communicate to us his glory? That God becomes man, and that he at whose nod, to use the words of Scripture, the pillars of heaven tremble and are affrighted, bows, his supreme and infinite majesty to minister to man, that he whom the angels adore in heaven is born on earth. When such is the goodness of God towards us, what, I ask, should we not do to testify our obedience to his will? With what willingness and alacrity should we not love, embrace, and perform all the duties of humility? The faithful should also consider the salutary lessons which Christ at his birth teaches before he begins to speak. He is born in poverty. He is born a stranger under a roof not his own. He is born in a lonely crib. He is born in the depth of winter. For St. Luke writes as follows, And it came to pass that when they were there, her days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn and wrapped him up in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Could the evangelist have described under more humble terms the majesty and glory that filled the heavens and the earth? He does not say there was no room in the inn, but there was no room for him who says, the world is mine in the fullness thereof. As another evangelist has, has expressed it, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And that's, of course, St. John in chapter 1. 
In the final two paragraphs in this section, we have the heading, Elevation and Dignity of Man. When the faithful have placed these things before their eyes, let them also reflect that God condescended to assume the lowliness and frailty of our flesh in order to exalt man to the highest degree of dignity. This single reflection, that he who is true and perfect God became man, supplies sufficient proof of the exalted dignity conferred on the human race by the divine bounty. Since we may now glory that the Son of God is born of our bone, is, is bone of our bone, and flesh of our flesh, a privilege not given to angels. For nowhere, says the apostle, does he take hold of the angels, but of the seed of Abraham he taketh hold. And finally, the heading, The Duty of Spiritual Nativity. We must also take care lest to our great injury it should happen that just as there was no room for him in the inn at Bethlehem in which to be born, so likewise now, after he has been, bon as he has been born in the flesh, he should find no room in our hearts in which to be born spiritually. For since he is most desirous of our salvation, this spiritual birth is the object of his most earnest solicitude. As then, by the power of the Holy Ghost, and in a manner superior to the order of nature, he was made man and was born, was holy and even holiness itself, so does it become our duty to be born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but of God, to walk as new creatures in newness of spirit, and to preserve that holiness and purity of soul, which so much becomes men regenerated by the Spirit of God. Thus shall we reflect some faint image of the holy conception and nativity of the Son of God, which are the objects of our firm faith, and believing which we revere and adore the wisdom of God in a mystery which is hidden. That's the end of the section uh, devoted to the third article of the Apostles' Creed. And it certainly does um, focus on an aspect of our faith that we don't talk about very much, namely the virginity of Mary, particularly with respect to the nativity of Christ. Um, we always think of the virginity of Mary having to do with the conception of Christ without uh, the conception of Christ by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Um, and so we talked about how the conception of Christ, in the conception of Christ, there were uh, some of the or some origin was natural, and then of course the Holy Ghost um, provides the supernatural um, origin for that conception. But at the same time, we often forget that in this miraculous birth, our Lord emerged from Our Lady's womb um, without any violation of her virginity as he came forth. Um, and so our, our lady was preserved intact and inviolate. And so we'll leave this uh, session um, on that note, uh, just thinking about that um, wondrous birth. And um, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. We will continue with Article 4 of the Apostles' Creed um, in our next episode. Thank you very much. I'm Mark Langley, and God bless.